This is episode number 133 with our guests, Shomail and Farhan Malik. My parents really, really wanted me to be an engineer, really wanted my brother to be a doctor, and it just wasn't for me. So uh, I thought that business school was the way to go. And then when I was at school, I learned that for myself that in business school, they're not teaching me any business. None of my teachers were business people. None of them were entrepreneurs. They were just teaching me how to be a good corporate employee, a manager. Welcome to the Hidden Entrepreneur Show. My name is Josh Carey. You want in on a little secret? I was in hiding for 40 years. Yeah, I was hiding every part of myself in every situation. And I can tell you one thing, hiding sucks. I'm now on a mission to help extraordinary people like yourself rediscover the world around you, connect beautifully with others, and excel tremendously in all you set out to do. Join in. It's The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. This is the story of two brothers, Shomail and Farhan Malik. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for tuning in. Great to have you with us today. This is not only the story of two brothers, it's the story of two individuals who stepped up and decided to take their own path into the world, into adulthood, following their heart, their mind, their body, and their soul, despite cultural norms and preferences uh, from their parents. As you heard, their parents wanted them, dare I say, expected them to be an engineer and a doctor. But that's not what the two brothers felt was in their own best interest. So they made a deal with their parents, which you can imagine took a little bit of strength, of courage. They thought about the best approach and they said, we will do what you want us to do if you agree to allow us to go out into the world for one year and try to succeed in the path we feel we belong on. And that's exactly what they did. And boy, did things turn out tremendous for them. They ventured out into the world quite separately while doing much of the same, only to come together years later to form what is today Apex Capital Group, It is New Jersey's number one provider of turnkey cash flow properties. They collectively have raised tens of millions of dollars in the real estate market. But it is so much more than that, right? Isn't it? Isn't it about following your own path, your own dreams, your own journey at any cost and having the faith, the courage, the determination to go forth doing that? This interview took place during the inaugural PodMax event. It's a full-day event created by On Air Brands for entrepreneurs and business people to get their message out 
in a big way by being interviewed and sitting down as a guest with some of the biggest podcasts in their industry. If this sounds like something you'd like to do to quickly and efficiently get your own message out to the masses through podcasts, apply to be part of the next PodMax event happening soon by visiting podmax.co. Without further ado, please enjoy my conversation with Shomail and Farhan Malik. Support for this podcast comes from PayPal. Small business owners, turn your smartphone into a cash register. PayPal QR codes are the safe and easy way to get paid in store, and they deliver the same security and trust PayPal is known for online, in person, even if you're a cash-only business. With PayPal QR codes, you can accept credit or debit with everyday low fees. There's no additional hardware or software needed. Generate your unique QR code from the PayPal app and display it on your device or print it to display in store. Customers scan your code with their PayPal app. You only need your smartphone. Learn more at paypal.com slash us slash get QR code. We want the best of both worlds. We want a hybrid. A smarter hybrid cloud approach with IBM helps retailers manage supply chains with Watson AI while predicting demands with ease. The world is going hybrid with IBM. Visit ibm.com slash hybrid cloud. Welcome back. Thank you for tuning in as we continue our series recording live here at PodMax the uh, event created by Eric Cabral and the team behind On Air Brands. We have a uh, another um, a, a pair of guests, really, brothers, for sure, uh, Shamel and Farhan Malik. What's going on, guys? How you well, doing? Thanks for having us on. Yeah, are you, yeah, are you, are you, having us, Josh. Are you enjoying this experience, this unique experience, right? Yeah. You just, you just uh, float from room to room to room yeah, doing interviews. Celebrity experience. Awesome. Yeah, is that yeah, how it feels? Yeah, yeah it's great. Yeah. Do you Eric really put together a nice event here? Yeah, and the the type of reach that we can have, uh, potential reach from this um, experience has been great. Yeah. You you say celebrity experience? Do you do you value that? Do you appreciate that? Do you like that kind of feeling? Yeah, it's it's great. It puts you you know positions you within the marketplace uh, as a certain uh, figure, authoritative figure potentially. Um, and then after that, your audience really still has to get to know you, like you, trust you. Um, and that, I think, comes through if you're an authentic person, your, your story has some credibility to it. Um, so, yeah, uh, it's, it's great. And you are, like I said, your brothers. Um, you're the founders of Apex Capital Group. And, Absolutely. And what you were telling me is, uh, spell that out, you have come together but you were in in previous years working in similar markets, doing the same thing separately. Absolutely. So I got into real estate first. Um, back when I was in college, um, I knew working for Johnson Johnson as an internship that that's not what I wanted to do full time. I didn't like building somebody else's dream, and I just didn't like the whole micromanagement uh, and the bureaucracy of a corporate environment, which I saw firsthand working as an intern. Uh, so what I did was I accelerated my courses at Rutgers University and graduated a semester earlier. So uh, my parents really, really wanted me to be an engineer, really wanted my brother to be a doctor, and it just wasn't for me. So uh, I thought that 
business school was the way to go. And then when I was at school, I learned that for myself that in business school, they're not teaching me any business. None of my teachers were business people. None of them were entrepreneurs. They were just teaching me how to be a good corporate employee, a manager really at that. So um, what I decided was I got the job at uh, Johnson and Johnson just to see that firsthand myself. Uh, it proved my theory correct that I did not like corporate America. Uh, it also, uh, gave me the ability to make a deal with my parents. I was saving some money. So, I mean, as a, uh, 17, 18 year old, I mean, they were paying 23 bucks an hour. So I was saving some money, um, as an intern. And I told them, listen, um, if I'm going to take this risk, let me take it on my own time. You're expecting me to get a degree in four years and then get a cushy, secure, safe job. What if I graduated a semester early, had that six, seven months to myself, let me try something. And then if, uh, if my feet hit the floor and I'm running, let me run with it. Uh, cause then I won't be coming back to you asking you for money. I'll be supporting myself. Um, long story short, um, I ended up condensing my courses and just just packing them on winter classes, summer classes, whatever it took. I mean, there was one semester where I had 23 credits and still had like a three point GPA, but did all of that to get that six months of time to kind of test this theory out that can I do something else? Um, real estate was a natural fit because we had met uh, a friend of ours at that time whose uh, father was um, the regional um, uh, operator for Keller Williams. And so I already had my license, but I just didn't have time to go out and sell real estate. And the semesters before I didn't have a car because we were dorming. So when I finally got out, um, I had the time and the ability to go into real estate. And I started uh, with real estate sales because there wasn't as much information about wholesaling, assigning, rehabbing, et cetera, on the internet, Facebook. This is going back to like 2004, 2005. So um, what I did was I got into real estate sales um, and I did about $100,000 that first year in sales. But while I was doing that, I picked up a few properties that I rented out and ended up flipping um, shortly after my first year in real estate. And then as those closings happened, I started transitioning out of being a realtor because I quickly learned I also didn't want to show houses on the weekend and do open houses and just the typical things that a realtor would do. I liked the investing part of it more. You could just make uh, more money in a shorter amount of time flipping and, uh, and buying properties at the right price. So that's kind of where the transition happened. While I was uh, getting into more wholesales and rehabs, my brother went, and he'll tell you more about it. He went the corporate route, but at the same time, I kept an open book. I was like, look, these are some crazy deals that we're doing. And um, while we were in college, just going back a bit, we were doing, uh, we tried some MLMs and we did make some money on them, but it really got us into reading the right books like uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, uh, The Cashflow Quadrant. Um, uh, how to make friends and, you know, how to, uh, make friends and, uh, influence people, influence people. Uh, so it got us reading the right things and, uh, thinking the right way and learning how to grow a network and how to sell and how to speak to, speak to people and do presentations and stuff. So I was like, look, that stuff was working, but at the end of the day, um, some of those MLMs didn't have like a tangible product or something, uh, that was generational. I was like, like, I think real estate is really the way to go. Like if we, put our time, energy, and effort into this, it, it works. And I'm living proof of that. So I kind of let him know because I knew that he wasn't big on corporate either. So um, for about 
um, I guess another five years or so, um, my brother did it in parallel with his job, but then eventually he ended up quitting his job and he's going to tell you a little bit more about that. And, and then a few more years after that, we kind of just ran parallel businesses, completely um, focusing on similar markets, but different strategies. And anytime we would come across a deal, uh, instead of competing and bidding each other up, we would just join venture on it and do it 50-50. Each one of those joint ventures went very successfully because we did different things as part of that project and part of that deal to make that a profitable and successful deal. And so we had a meeting August of 2016. We actually, uh, you know, came, uh, Apex was born in end of 2016. In August of 2016, we basically said, listen, like nobody's going to watch your back the way that I'm going to watch your back. You know, my brother is my keeper, basically. That was a philosophy that we had talked about. And so um, we both gave it some thought because we both had, you know, businesses and about um, a team of 11 people. And we were, you know, going hundred miles an hour to kind of just stop that and bring that. It's, you know, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of effort to kind of merge all those resources and uh, strategies and processes together. But it, it was just a right fit because we were like, look, there's going to be some growing pains in the beginning, but, you know, one or two years down the line, you know, we're not going to be regarding not doing this because we bring such different characteristics and uh, such different assets to the table that it would truly be synergistic rather than just one plus one equals two. We saw it as one plus one equals 10. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that was the right fit. Um, uh, and without going too far into it, without my brother stepping in, but um, in the very beginning, you know, we had now a team of 22 people, a lot of redundancies, and we had to kind of redefine our company culture and redefine our DNA and really the threshold for, who is a, uh, who's got apex DNA in them, right? Like who is at that same caliber, right? Cause we always say that if we're running at a 10, we're looking for employees and team members that are running at an eight, right? Mm. Uh, we can't expect the same from our, um, team members because it's not their business, but we can't get somebody operating at a five or a six. So we then shrunk, uh, as part of that growing pains, um, and kind of, uh, focused on getting the right team together so that we can put out the type of volume that we wanted to do and build the business that we wanted to. So amazing picture you painted from um, a, a teen ready to uh, approach life on your own through current day. I want to tie this back to one of the first things I heard you say in that story was that your, your parents for both of you, as you put it said, either uh, you could become a, a, an engineer or a doctor but then you said you had three options to become a doctor, an engineer, or a failure, which I absolutely love. And then you had the foresight to say, well, I can graduate early and buy myself this six-month chunk of time. And that's what you did. And so you you took that time, found success, and then brought that back at the end of that negotiation to your parents and said, look what I did. And how did they respond to all that? They were obviously for it. They were like, okay, fine, you win. Uh, yeah, I mean, one of the deals um, that we did was um, uh, we negotiated a short sale on a property where um, um, that's my brother's property now, uh, where and my parents live with my brother, uh, where we got the property down for like fifty percent. So our whole um, our whole um, young adult life, um, we're a very close knit family. So all four of my grandparents, you know, when they were alive, they would live with us. So. 
at one point we were living in a three bedroom condominium. You know, we didn't grow up super wealthy or anything, but it, we still grew up in the suburbs. So it wasn't, um, but it was, it, was it, it was low income housing. So we had to qualify. My dad had to qualify for low income housing because every time a builder puts uh, a housing development together, a certain portion of it is allocated for low income. Yes. And we were living in Trenton at the time. Our house had been robbed and things like that. Went back when we had VCRs. VCR was the only thing that was taken. But, uh, you know, my parents were like, we, we got to get out of here. And so they had already started their application for low income housing. And so we ended up in a really nice suburban community in a condo. But it's about 750 square feet, three bedrooms, one bathroom, and both sets of grandparents living with us. And my parents, so there's like seven people in this small little itty bitty place. You guys, where were you guys born? In Pakistan. Yeah. And you moved here at what age? So uh, I was five, basically turning six in a week. Uh, so this was October of 1987. Um, and so I was five years old. My brother was four years old. And you have any recollection of that early period in Pakistan growing up? Yeah. Um, so oh, what was life distinct, like? That? Yeah. Distinct moments. Right. So I remember that very moment where I, you know, live standing in the living room of my grandfather's house and uh, a light bulb kind of went off and I pinched myself and actually realized that I'm alive, which was an amazing, almost out of body experience. How old could you have been? Um, uh, I've probably three and a half, four. Okay, so yeah. fine. So you pinched yourself so, and so had the, the real thought. The realization that I'm alive, living on a planet with other people, right? And what could that have meant to you? Um, that I'm here, I exist, and uh, there's probably some purpose to this, but I don't know what it is yet. And then um, I remember the first day of school and just crying my eyes out. Uh, for uh, you know, As soon as my uh, father walked away and dropped me off at school, I'm just reaching back and crying and, you know, hoping he's come pick me up because obviously, uh, you know, grew up at home and now all of a sudden it's your first day without your parents. So remember that. I remember the day we flew out to come to America. You do? I do. I remember the first night uh, here in America. I slept with my socks on because I told myself, um, and I was five years old at the time, told myself, oh, okay, this is just a quick little vacation thing. Uh, this is not a permanent <laughs> thing at all. Tomorrow, I'm just going to go down, put my Velcro sneakers on, and we'll be right back on the airplane going back back home. And uh, I've gone home once since then in 1992. Um, you know, ha have yet to visit. I plan to do it with my family now. I have three young kids of my own. Wonderful. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, that's... that's how, has that, how has that identity for you played a factor... Even just growing up, huge. Tell me, um, you know, a lot of people call it the immigrant immigrant advantage. That America is the land of opportunity. You can carve out and uh, create your own future, which is not necessarily true in other environments. Um, and so, when we came here, our parents, as I said, you know, they wanted us me to be a, be the doctor, but not just any old doctor or run of the mill doctor, but like somebody super super successful, right? They always planted that, indoctrinated that into us for better or worse. Uh, but that's all they knew. They, they wanted safety, security, and going the medicine route or the engineering route from Pakistan is kind of like the safe way to go. And you're respected in the community and, and, and so on. And so, you know, being uh, ambitious and the A type and get good grades and 
you know, nobody gets an A minus in this household. It's either A or A plus. Like A minus is unacceptable. What the heck is an A minus? Right. So um, that's kind of, you know, what our dad kind of bred into us. Our mom as well. She's she's probably the most instrumental in, in our um, growing up. And uh, and that was the level of standard that they set that we didn't come here for no reason. You guys have to succeed. We left everything behind. I mean, think about that. Yeah. Somebody just completely uproots his parents. Right. were over there. They're all settled. All his brothers. He's got four brothers. They all have families and they're all settled there. And it's interesting the way that families live over there, our particular family, they call it joint family, right? And so my father has four brothers. At the time that we were there in Pakistan, um, two of them were married. So their families live in the same house. And this is my grandfather's house. So it's a big house and each family has their own room. And we all congregate during dinner time. So it's like Thanksgiving dinner every night in a way. Um, and so when we, so think about it from my father's perspective and today's his birthday. So happy birthday to my dad, uh, our dad, uh, he came to a land that he didn't know. He didn't know what he was going to. And you know, he was, he had a really good job there. Um, he is a, he's a mechanical engineer. Um, and, uh, he did science as, uh, as his, uh, backup as a miner. And he had a really good job at a cement, uh, company. Um, and he's doing well. Uh, he worked in Saudi Arabia for some time. Um, but anyway, he was settled. He was stable. He came here, and he's now working at Krauser's Food Mart, right, as a second job. He had a third job working at Ocean Spray at the plant. And and then he was just bouncing from job to job with a temporary agency uh, as a scientist. So, you know, he's a, he's a chemist by training. And so he had three jobs. We'd see him on Sunday. And that work ethic has been like burned and ingrained into our minds from the beginning, how hard our father worked. And then our mother worked as well. So we had, you know, both parents working, uh, but, but more specifically my dad. And he set that uh, path for us. What was the vibe in the household like growing up as children? Was there, cause I, I understand the expectation. Yeah. Was there, was there, was there tension? Was there love? Was there play? Was there all of it? It, it was uh, it was all of it, you know, just yeah. like any other household. I, I kind of think of my dad as uh, like the dad on the Wonder Years. Remember uh, Kevin Arnold? Of and, course. Uh, yeah. So my dad's kind of like that guy. He pays the bills. He pops an alcohol seltzer at night uh, and he goes to sleep like that. Was, that's kind of he's a very serious dude. But when he jokes around, uh, he's hilarious, too, when he's in a good mood. Uh, <laughs> so that's my dad. Uh, my mom is very strong. But she is the most accommodating, welcoming uh, person. And that's why I think our grandparents chose to live with her, even though she's not the oldest child in the family. Uh, all of them kind of gravitated towards her. So she's very nurturing. In, with in those expectations, um, you become an engineer, you become a doctor. Obviously, you didn't ultimately. How were you able to say, thanks, but no thanks, we're going to take our own path? Yeah, so that's, that's not easy. Um, and that's another defining moment that I remember, you know, if I was to write a book, because you could have failed, right? I mean, I I remember that exact day going into their bedroom, um, equipped with what I kind of wanted to say, and then just being ready for the backlash before you get into that. Cause I I do want to hear that. Were you just, um, not really accepting the road of a doctor just because you were like, I don't want to do it. Or was there something like, like why, why? Uh, Yeah. For me, it was pretty simple. Um, I saw, you know, the IT industry had really taken off. 
Uh, if you remember in the late nineties, the dot-com boom. Sure. So a lot of people were making a ton of money doing very little. And, um, I like this unconventional path of just hacking life and figuring out faster ways to get rich essentially. And, um, uh, you know, another friend of ours, uh, his brother bought a huge house. He was only like 27, 28 years old at the time. So we're like, I like the path that some of these people are on and thinking about the journey. I had bought my MCAT book. I was getting ready to study for the MCAT exam, uh, my junior year in college. And, um, what happened was that, you know, the business world had kind of become open to me because we, as my brother said, we were part of these MLM companies that kind of opened our eyes to this. And I said, I don't, I don't think I want to go four years of medical school and three years of residency working 80 to hundred hours a week. Um, and then being in all this debt from medical school and paying all that off and then finally becoming stable later on in life. I want to get started earlier. And so that's kind of what triggered it. And I went to them and I said, I'm not sure exactly what I'm going to do, but I know medicine is probably not what I want to do anymore. And it was almost like, like an explosion, you know, mushroom cloud kind of a thing inside of my dad's pupils. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, I remember that exact moment um, where it was like controlled anger <laughs> inside of both of them where they wanted to say, well, you have to figure out something equivalent to that. And, uh, and I ended up, you know, uh, as we'll probably talk about 11 and a half years in, uh, huh. in, in the corporate world. And, uh, the pharmaceutical and Farhan, your moment uh, equivalent to that was you saying, hey, give me this six months. That was your talk, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. even before that, um, I had gotten into engineering school and then looked at my Friday schedule and it was advanced calculus, physics, and I think some sort of chemistry. And I was like, I, I can't do this on a Friday. It's just too much <laughs> brain power. And um, I ended up not even going to any single class in engineering school. Uh, went to the administrative office and switched into an econ ma uh, econ major, and then eventually went into the business school two years later at uh, at Rutgers it, it, during my undergrad. So that conversation, I remember that my mom was so upset that she didn't even want to talk to me for two weeks because she just couldn't fathom that I wanted to do something other than engineering. I mean, if I said medicine or something like that, I think she would have been okay with that. But I knew from the beginning medicine was not for me because I can't stand the sight of blood. So I think that pretty much ruled that out. So that kind of, um, I was a little bit more of a, uh, I would say rebel and going against the grain with what they wanted earlier on because my educational path wasn't going the way that they wanted. I got into the business school, but I would still get good grades and do well. And then it was just at that point in time, I, I, I had to kind of ease it in because, you know, it's, it's a big shock for them because they made that big sacrifice. And at the end of the day, um, they are our parents and I see it so completely different now, right? Because I'm not just a kid in college uh, trying to go against what my parents are saying. I'm a father myself. So now I can see how my kids behave with me as a dad. And now being in the middle, I can better understand that father son relationship, but then also that fa uh, son father relationship. Cause I'm like right in the middle. Now I'm both a father and I'm both a son. So, um, I wanted to kind of come up with a compromise. And I was like, look, if it doesn't work, I will try it your way, but let me try it my way on my own time so that you don't feel like I'm falling behind because I'm actually ahead now. I'm graduating before everybody else. And, you know, um, 
you know, knock on wood, thank God, uh, things did work out in those six months for me to still be in this business. You both today looking and, and having this conversation with you each, you, you seem to have a very secure air of confidence. Uh, was that always the case? I think that came with um, experience and just going through life. Um, I, as a kid, I was actually pretty shaky in terms of confidence. Um, but, you know, as you go into college um, and you kind of discover yourself, who you're about and become really comfortable in your own skin, um, I think that kind of shapes you. Um, and at this point in our mid-30s, we've, in the business world, we've kind of, within our space, we've kind of seen it, uh, done it, experienced it. Uh, we've gone through a lot of challenges also in our business that we've been able to overcome. And we, we come from this sort of uh, ethos and philosophy that what happens to you happens for you. Mm -hmm. And it puts you in a place where you become very comfortable with change, with, uh, you know, with discomfort. You become comfortable with discomfort. And to the point you become bulletproof, right, where very little is going to phase you or affect you. Um, so, you know, there's a saying that what was written and meant for you will not escape you. Say it again. But what was written and meant for you will not escape you. So it's going to happen anyway. Now that's the external. How do I react to it? Because it was going to happen to me anyway. Now, how do I react to it? Do I crumble and collapse and say, no, no, the challenge is bigger than me? Or do I rise up to the challenge and say, no, I'm going to overcome this and I'm equipped with that because, you know, I'm not going to be given a burden that I can't handle and I can handle this. People have gone through much bigger things, uh, much more difficult things before in their lives. And, uh, you know, if they've gone through it, they've gone through it, then we can get through it. And, and you draw that energy and power from, um, you know, listening to other folks that are successful, reading their biographies and things like that, but also experiencing it yourself. And also an element of acceptance yeah. through what you're saying. What, what's going to be is going to be, and let's let's accept what's happening, yep. the reality around yeah, us. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, ultimately uh, all of us have a have an image of ourselves where we thought we would be at a particular age, right? And then the frustration sets in when we see where we actually are. And that gap between where we thought we would be and where we actually are really can eat people alive. And if you come to that, as you mentioned, acceptance, that I'm exactly where I need to be and I need to grow from here and I've learned a lot, I'm going to take that as tools to grow and get and get better and get faster and so on and so forth. Um, that's where, you know, that, I guess, air of confidence comes from. Um, my brand, The Hidden Entrepreneur, was founded on the premise that I spent a lifetime hiding behind fear, uh, using that as an excuse to do or not to do whatever was really needed. Um, was there a time you can share with us when you were um, really confronted with fear and you could have gone in either direction, but you knew you had to go into the correct direction? Um, I remember when I had already jump shipped uh, from uh, being a realtor to an investor um, I, I had kind of given up a book of clientele because I had referred all that business out because I wanted to focus on just being an investor. And um, I remember kind of at that point in time going back to him and asking him for some uh, connections and interview advice because I wanted to then kind of maybe go back to my plan B because in the beginning, you know, the deals weren't just rocking up. And 
I remember being at Barnes and Nobles and just kind of like, and I remember it was raining that day and I was just like, man, like, this is crazy. I really don't want to do this. And um, I did end up going to that interview, but it was just like in my DNA, like I just, I did not want it. And I couldn't even fake it in that interview, right? Because they would ask questions about what, what, you know, all I would talk about in the interview was real estate because it's like, I, I didn't even research the company because I didn't care. So it just kind of brought me back. It's like, look, I got to like, whatever it is, my marketing, um, not doing enough, not using my time efficiently enough, whatever it is, I got to kind of pick it up. And at that point, I remember that uh, a lot of the marketing wasn't, um, you know, it was, uh, I was doing everything like 50%. And that just, that, just that fear of ending up doing what I didn't want to do kind of propelled my fear of not succeeding. So that fear of doing something safe and secure that I was going to be miserable with made me and pushed me beyond my fear of not doing enough to get to where I wanted to be. So that kind of pushed me to do the things that I needed to do in my marketing to actually get the deals and then stay in business and then just grow from there. What about for you, Shamel? Yeah, I remember um, we, uh, we had an employee that, you know, through some negligence and things like that, did some damage, right? Um, with properties mm. being underscoped and things like that. And uh, we had to plug in a lot of our own capital. Uh, I'm talking about high six figures um, to fix that mess, right? And uh, that was a that was a scary part of our you know business uh, our time because I think up until that point all we knew was success for the mm, most part. Wow! And now for the first time, probably in about seven, eight, nine years, really, we're actually being hit with like a real challenge. Wow! Right. And um, like a, a big challenge. And so we, we had to dig deep at that time and, and go in and, uh, you know, uh, do what we had to do. Uh, you know, we bootstrapped our business. We had to cut some folks and uh, get very lean and get very profitable um, uh, to fix some of those things. And we did what was necessary at the time. Um, wouldn't uh, want it any other way. That experience, like I said, once we got through it, we just did a fist bump and basically mm. said to ourselves, we get through this, you know, and which we just did, we can get through anything together. And it goes back to that philosophy that, you know, I backed him, he backed me, I am my brother's keeper. And uh, it just strengthened our resolve even more to be determined and succeed. And, uh, and so we doubled down and went harder. And, uh, you know, uh, as in our real estate business, as we saw more and more people coming in just because there's this huge um, availability of information on YouTube and things like that, which this information used to be a little bit more esoteric before, or you had to pay like $25,000 to a mentor or a guru to get this info. Now it's like widely available. Um, so anybody, the barrier to entry has been lowered significantly. There's a lot of capital on the streets and things like that. So people will fund your deals. Um, we said, look, competition's increasing. There's a lot of saturation. We got, we started pivoting. So yeah, those challenges came like most business challenges, but it, it was interesting that in, in the beginning, all we experienced was success. Um, and it was a smooth ride until we got hit all of a sudden, um, right in the stomach and it knocked the air out of us, but then we were able to get back up and come back swinging. Mm. 
it seems like that that's been a theme in your in your lives. You you each have these really interesting pivotal moments that you might not have known how we're how it was going to wind up, but you you stepped into it. You took the swing, did what was necessary, and you accepted the outcome. Does that sound appropriate? Yeah, I mean, you're um, you know on, on a daily basis. We're yeah, we're building a business. Yes, we provide jobs for not just our employees, but then also all of the contractors and the folks that that work with us. Uh, so through us, there's probably about 100 different people that are employed, right? So that, that's one part of it, and it feels good. But mainly, we're ta- we take care of our families uh, through the business, right? And so we see it as a personal challenge that we have to step up as uh, heads of our households, number one, as leaders of our business, number two, uh, and also as um, you know, figures within our own community. Um, is that important to you to be is. that figure? For both um, of you? It's not, but you know that stage has been given. Uh, it's not that we wanted it, but it's been given. So you'll you know, take it, as Spider Man says. You know, uh, with that response, with that uh, power, power comes responsibility. So, um, so we treat it uh, very seriously. Mm. Uh, that you know, we should be good role models to other people that are looking at us that want to potentially go against the grain against cultural norms and do something different and that there are paths to success to get there. On that note, uh, what would you say Farhan is the, the ultimate message we want to share here? What have we been saying to the listener taking notes? Um, I would say you got to definitely know what you want to do in life. Um, you got to know what makes you happy. You got to know what your passion is. And then you got to, you're going to have challenges in your life. You're going to have people that you need to please, or at least explain how you're going to chase that dream. And I, I would say be responsible in the way that you speak with them and be responsible in your approach and your strategy. So kind of what I did, I negotiated with my parents that, Hey, I'll do it on my time, not on your time. So that uh, if things don't work out, it's just six months of me trying something, no big deal. I'll fix it out. You know, I'll work it around. So if you have a spouse or anyone else in your life that is against you doing or scared just just for their for valid reasons for you chasing your dream, you want to address that in the proper way. But for, you know, for the sake of your own sanity, for the sake of you living a life that's worth living, don't do something that's going to make you miserable. So have a dream, chase it, but know that there's people around you that you need to explain that dream to. And you got to explain that strategy to so that you can actually chase your dream with them on your side. So perfectly put. I will leave you each with this final question. Shomel, how would you like to be remembered? How would I like to be remembered? Um, that every time I met him, I felt like we were instantly friends. And that he positively impacted my life in one way or another between something he did for me, something he might have said, some advice that he gave me. But, you know, that was a good person uh, that impacted me in a, in, a, in a positive way. Beautiful. Farhan? Josh, you're asking some really deep questions here. But, <laughs> but, but, but. but um, I'm glad to know you're still here. <laughs> something similar. I mean, and. Um, I just, uh, I want to be remembered as a good person and somebody that just cared for others just for the sake of caring for them. So one habit that I have is, you know, now being 36 years old, um, you know, I have some life in me and I've met quite a bit of people going, you know, moving around a little bit, um, going to two different high schools, 
college, uh, doing my MBA in the real estate business. So I, I tend to, on my drive sometimes, just pick out a random person and just give them a call to see how they're doing to follow up with them. So that's how I kind of want to be remembered. Somebody that is caring, somebody that um, gives for the sake of giving, and it's just either a good friend, a good husband, uh, a good father, and a good son. Absolutely beautiful. Shomail and Farhan Malik. See, if I didn't, if I didn't go deep, I wouldn't know the beautiful people you are on the inside. And I'm glad we 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 got there and we went there. Thank you for participating, showing up, and experience. opening up. Thanks Thank you, Josh. Us. Thanks for having us. Yeah, I really appreciate experience. you both. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Cut. Thanks for listening to The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. Make sure to subscribe through iTunes or Google Play so you can get notified every time we publish a new episode. And we'd love to hear your thoughts with an honest review on iTunes. Finally, follow us on your favorite social media platforms to keep the conversation going with Josh Carey and today's guest. Until next time. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.